Welcome to She Loves the Grid, where we discuss all things F1. Whether it's happening on the track, in the paddock, or beyond the grid, we'll talk about it all. And welcome back to She Loves the Grid. It's our second, what, second summer episode? I feel like it's yes. been like a year. <laughs> I woke up this morning thinking I'm over it. I miss racing. I'm, I miss racing so much. This is like the accidental spring one that, you know, break that we had. I think everybody's having withdrawals. Nobody has any content to share online. <laughs> no, but I'll have to tell you, I'm looking forward to when we get to the segment on Williams because it was just neat digging and, and I'd taken notes for before to get ready for it. I went back and re-rent through them all and finished up and it's just uh it made me miss it even more, actually. But um, I, I'm going to enjoy digging through each team, and I don't know what I'm going to do next year, and unless we just don't get all the teams this year, or when we get new teams, or I have to dig through drivers. It's going. This is fun. I, I'm loving the, the history aspect of it. But let's get going. Um, how was your week? It was good. Um, you know, the usual. I actually finally went and saw Barbie. I feel like my friend and I were the last <laughs> two people. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. <laughs> I never leave the house. I, I, I do. So, like, Claire, Claire's like a homebody. I never leave the house. So. Well, same. But listen, I had to get out to see this one because I wanted to to hear what all the hype, you know, was about, and I absolutely loved it. So I highly recommend going and seeing it. I think there's a lot of interesting messages in the movie, um, and you just leave. You know, I feel like I'm a girl's girl anyways, or I try really try to be, but I feel like you leave it thinking like, yeah, you know, we, we all need to support each other. And yeah, it's, it's a really good movie. I highly recommend going to, going to see it. I know you can find an English version there, but. Oh yeah. I'm, well, I'm learning German, so we'll, we'll yeah. figure it out. How about you? It's good. It's been between, you know, doing the German classes and I keep, I've, I've started saying this this week and I'm going to keep doing it. I think it's going to be my new little term. I'm looking for a new apartment because when we moved here, um, part of moving to Germany and getting an apartment, um, you know, I had to wait for my job to move here. I had to get my visa to be able to officially work in Germany. Um, and now that I am, uh, I can officially get a, a longer term apartment because the one I'm in now is one that they would rent to an expat without mm -hmm. a German work contract. Yeah. But apartment finding in Germany is I've shared with you is a competitive sport as I like to call it. It's a, uh, it's not like the U S where you just go to an apartment complex and apply or go find a house and apply. It's literally having to have all the right apps jump on the first one present yourself almost in a portfolio of why I'm the better candidate kind of thing, like you're interviewing for a job, you know? So um, it's, it's been a hunt. So I went, went to see a couple this week um, and I've got application in on two with the same place that, you know, hopefully we'll get one of them. So he'll hear this week and, and I have to literally pay for two apartments at the same time for two months, but it'll make the move easier. It'll be worth it. It'll be it worth it. Well, and the weather actually warmed up. I wore shorts for part of yesterday, and I'm in shorts today. So nice. it's already starting to get chilly again. So as soon as the we get done recording, and it's Sundays, most people who just joining us, we always record on Sundays, usually after the race, but we just keep that tradition. Um, I will be back in, in long pants right after this because I'm already starting to get cold. Yeah. 
but it is getting to be nighttime there, right? So it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's yeah. thirty seven already. So it's it's you know it's a oh, Sunday wow. Sunday afternoon for us because I'm nine hours ahead of you there in Arizona. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I wake up and most of your day is already done. I know when I got up this morning, I was like doing the math. I'm like, it's like one thirty in the morning for you. <laughs> I was sound asleep, sound asleep, and then this morning I forgot to water my plants yesterday and. I think we're having a little dip in temperature. It's, you know, in 105. Oh. I don't know what that is in, you know, whatever your language is. And um, so, <laughs> so, but it's been kind of funny because the last couple of mornings I've gone out, you know, around six or whatever to water plants. And I'm like, oh, it feels kind of chilly out here. It's like fall is a coming. And then I come back inside and I look at the temperature and it's like 92, 94, <laughs> something like that. So we got up to um, we got up to eighty two, I think, or eighty three, closer, close oh, to that. No, no, it's not even high. No, I don't think we made it to eighty. Yeah, that's your high, and at six a.m., it's like already higher, hotter than that here. I'm over it. I'm over yeah, it. I think we're I think we're getting eighty two today. I think that was our high today. That is ideal. That's perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect weather. Why do I, I live in I, I lost my layer of blubber and insulation, so I'm like freezing all the time. <laughs> let's let's get into it because I've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about when we get. I to know, and I cannot wait to learn more about Williams. I love Williams. I think they're awesome. I titled this episode "We Are Williams" because that is their hashtag. We are Williams. Um, and hopefully, we'll, hopefully, maybe somebody from Williams will come watch me talk about their history. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun. Okay, so here's some fun facts for you to get started um, today. So in the first half of the season, the drivers with the most lap gains on the first lap, kind of interesting. So Logan Sargent has gained 16 positions on a first lap. Yuki is in second with 13. You've got George with 11, and then Alex and Kevin Magnuson, each with 10. So, I mean... It, generally they're starting further back. <laughs> so that is why, you know, you tend to have a lot of gains maybe on that first, that first lap you can jump, but I love that it does show that right off the start, they are getting going immediately. Like they're passing people, you know, left and right on that initial jump. So love that. As far as the most positions gained, um, for the first half, like throughout, you know, I guess like an entire race, again, through the first half of the season, this should not be a surprise. Checo with 59. So we've talked a lot about Checo having terrible qualifyings. I mean, how many did he not make, even make it to Q3? So he's been starting towards the back, but finishing in the points and sometimes on the podium. So 59 should not be a surprise that Checo has the most positions gained. <laughs> So far, he only finished below 10th in Red Bull because it's like a 16th in one race. So just one time, all the other times he's, he's been, up. yeah. Yeah. And with those really horrible starting points on the grid, he's doing great. Then you have George with 36. So again, we talked about him being very slow and methodical. And I think also their strategy where he's started from the back quite often, but working his way up. So to me, when I saw that, I was like, this doesn't really seem to be a surprise. Then you have Max with 27, Lance with 18, 
Logan was 17 and then Yuki was 16. So Yuki is both on of Max, those. Well, Max is the, because you know, he's had a penalty, a couple of penalties, I think, when we start back. One I know recently made him start back several. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Pretty, pretty cool. I love to see, like I said, I love seeing Yuki and Logan even in there um, in a couple of those. So they're making moves. They're doing what they can with their cars. Okay. I wanted to talk about really quickly about silly season because they're, this is about the time, like it should be starting. I feel like maybe we're even a little bit behind, but um, F1 put out a cool graphic this week talking about, sorry, my dog is like sitting, standing here like, hello, pet me. Um, Hi, buddy. <laughs> I wish I could show him. Anyways, they put out a cool graphic this week showing all of the potentially open seats for um, 2024. So for Williams, you have Logan seat. So these are all people that have contracts that, you know, are, are only good through this year. So for Williams, you have Logan's seat. Alfa Romeo, you have Joe. Haas, both Kevin and Nico. Um, Alfa Tauri, both Daniel and Yuki. And then Mercedes Lewis. So allegedly, Ferrari's principal, Fred, kind of talked to Lewis about making a move, but Lewis declined. Um, I think the Ferrari CEO had reached out previously too, and Lewis declined. But we haven't heard anything about Lewis actually having a signed contract with Mercedes. There's been a lot of talk from him and from Toto, like these things take time and we're working on it. And it's basically a done deal. Like he's not going to go anywhere, but we still don't have any confirmation yet. So I think, you know, that's why they do have that open. Technically his contract is up um, at the end of this year. And will he stay? Are they having problems? Are they just, you know, putting out good faith that it will get done, but maybe they're stalled. I have no where, idea. Where would you think he'd go though? Where where would where would Lewis go if he didn't stay with Mercedes? I just I can't know. That's the so thing. Where he would go. I mean, I wouldn't even go to you wouldn't go to Ferrari because Charles just supposedly signed a an extension on his contract. We've talked a lot and we'll talk about Carlos here in a second, but we talked a lot about Charles is their guy. And so he's always going to be the priority. So I can't imagine you're Lewis, you go there. If you're Lewis, you're not going to go to a Haas. You're not going to go to an Alfa Romeo. Like, would he go to Red Bull? No. Like, why would you play second fiddle to Max? I mean, no. But not second fiddle. I mean, would he, would he go? I mean, uh, that rivalry. I mean, but, uh, I have stuff to say about that while I talk about Williams. But, but I mean, it is because of the car. I'm just thinking of the car. He wants a solid performing car yeah and the red bull currently is could you imagine lewis in the rb like could you imagine no and i think he even said something about that if he was in the rb he would be max wouldn't be winning as much or i exactly. swear i saw that someplace i hope i did not just make that up in my yeah, head I don't, I don't think that it, but i'm thinking it like if there's a few drivers if they were second seat or the second car, I wouldn't say second seat, the second car in, in Red Bull, mm -hmm. Max would not be winning as much. They, they're no. a couple of drivers way more consistent than Checo. I, I mean, I agree with that 100%, but I just cannot picture a Lewis and a Max. I mean, we thought there were issues when Checo was doing well at the beginning of the season. Who's going to, you know, is Christian Horner going to let them duke it out? Could you imagine Lewis and Max, like, duking it out? Christian would 
be gray by the end of the season. (laughs) (laughs) And those two, I mean, they do have, they had that rivalry going on and it seems to be cool, whatever, but you go up again, Max is not going to let anybody, whoever is in that second seat, be him. He's got that competitive gene. So I honestly don't know where else he would go. I mean, none of the teams that have a seat open, that's for sure. I mean, unless uh, the only thing we never know is when does Lance Stroll's contract expire? Nobody knows that information. Um, So could Lance retire? And I could totally see Papa Stroll bringing Lewis in. You have two world champions on your team. You're improving your car. We know they've got this new facility, this new wind tunnel. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully they were the cars that busted the cost cap. <laughs> but the only other car that looks promising right now is the McLaren though. But yeah. I, they don't have the seats. So yeah. Probably interesting. Yeah. But they adore Lando. But speaking of like Lando supposedly has pre-contracts with the entire grid. Like Everybody from Red Bull to Ferrari to Mercedes, like, who knows? I think Lando is happy to stay with McLaren um, now that the car is doing well. So I don't see them, you know, kind of getting rid of rid of that. Um, and then I mentioned Charles supposedly has signed an extension. But yeah. there's a lot of rumors this past week, and I've, I've avoided posting it on our social media, like reposting it, because I don't, I don't. I just don't want to promote it anyways. um, So, but I think that this rumor could absolutely be true. So the rumor is that Carlos Sainz has signed a pre-contract with Audi to join the Sauber team in 2025. I think they, I don't know if they come on the grid in 2025, they take over Alfa Romeo or it's 2026. But anyways, it could be accurate. One thing to remember with pre-contracts is that they are not, legally binding. His current Ferrari contract does go through next year, so through 2024. In Spa, Carlos said, I'm going to read it to you because I don't want to mess it up. I do prefer starting a season already knowing where I'm going to be the following year. The goal is to go into 2024 without any worries about it and my contract for the future already signed and sealed. So he's thinking by the end of this year, he wants to go into the next year, finish out his year with Ferrari, either stay with Ferrari or he already knows where he's going to go, which makes sense. He has said in the past, like he doesn't want, you know, like if he's focusing on where is he supposed to be, where is he going to go next, talking about negotiations, then his mind isn't on racing and he just wants to focus on the racing. So here's here's another reason why I think this could be true. Andreas is the CEO now of Sauber Motorsport. He was the principal at McLaren when Carlos was there, and he's a huge fan of Carlos. And supposedly he has said that he would build the Sauber program around Carlos if he was given the opportunity, which kind of goes back to what you were saying last week when you put him on the driver that's struggling (laughs) list. And if you did listen to that episode, go back and listen to our recap um, of that because Maybe that is what he needs is to be the number one driver at, you know, on a team and they're willing to build it around him. So that I think would be very, very intriguing to Carlos if he's smart because he's tired of playing second banana for Carl 
And with Charles signing that contract extension, they're going to keep prioritizing Charles in the races. Okay, second or third reason, I don't even know where I'm at. Another reason that I think that this could be accurate is his dad, Carlos Sainz Sr., has very close ties to Audi. And I think he either races for them or has raced for them in the past, but apparently he's got a lot of influence there. And so like kind of keep it in the family, right? Like Carlos Jr. would go to, um, to Sauber, Audi, whatever. So I think this could be very, very accurate. At the very least, he could use it as a way to you know, negotiate with Ferrari but I think like, what's not to like that Andres is awesome. Loved him. He believes in Carlos. Maybe Carlos needs that place where he is the number one driver and can really shine. I don't know. Just a thought. I agree. Cause I mean, that's, we've seen that we've seen him just playing second fiddle and he's too smart of a driver and he knows what he needs to do. He doesn't have trust. I don't think he's got trust mm-hmm. in his current. No, why you know? would you do terrible at strategy? But at least two of his fines have been because his engineer didn't warn him about something or his penalties rather, which set him back. Well, Charles, for sure that happened too. So I think if you're a driver, you also like in those situations where they're not communicating with you, the strategy is crap and you're having to create your own strategy. I think you have to take all of that into effect, not just what's happening to you personally, but what is the other driver also experiencing? And Charles, their preferred driver, and they keep screwing him over left and right. So, I mean, I think you do it. But then my question is being, you know, somewhat, somewhat newer to this sport, and Carlos is my driver, and Ferrari is my team. If he leaves, is Ferrari still my team? But Carlos is my driver. <laughs> or do I now become like how does this work? Like I do have multiple teams. Huh? You like me and you like multiple teams. I do oh, like yes. multiple teams, but but Ferrari has been like my main team. Yeah. So I will still like them, don't get me wrong, but I might have to switch all my merch out. Although I was in the grocery store yesterday, and usually here when I wear my Ferrari here, like nobody pays attention and um says anything, which is always super disappointing to me. Um, but I was in the grocery store and a lady that worked there came down the aisle and she's like, I saw a a pop of red and I wondered if you were wearing a Ferrari shirt. Like she came to search me out. I'm like, it is a Ferrari shirt. She goes, and it's Carlos signs because I had my 55 on the back and I'm like, he's the best. She's like, I love him. And I was like, this is the best trip to the grocery store ever. (laughs) Nobody ever acknowledges my Ferrari gear. Nobody talks about F1 around here. So that just That's awesome. that we may have a follower while I was interviewing someone for a job because they had F one in their profile, something they liked. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so before we head into Williams, I thought this like the deep dive. I thought this would be kind of good. So Williams principal James Bowles, if you don't watch his videos, like he does them usually after the race, and he kind of was doing a preseason or I mean a halfway season uh, recap and. He was talking about how they have already started working on things that might take like 12 months or 24 months or 36 months to really complete, Um, but it's going to make them more competitive in the future. And he said, the only thing is it could 
make a compromise on the rest of this season. So maybe they won't be bringing a lot more upgrades to the season while they try to figure out like what, what they have, they're going to really invest in the future. Um, but just talking about how important it is for them to get back on top. Uh, I highly recommend going to listen to the whole thing. Cause that's just a little um, synopsis, but they really have made some great big changes in the team. And we're seeing them, being a little bit more competitive, not in all races yet, but, you know, here and there, and they're learning, like they're really trying to figure it out. And he was talking about how that's like changing the culture and all this other stuff, which of course, when you're winning, the culture is going to be way more exciting <laughs> and better than when it's, when you're losing, but they are really focused on the future. So I thought that would be a good way to delve into your thing, talking about the past and to them. Yeah. So Let's talk about to Williams. Williams was interesting. It was interesting to to dig into them. Um, their their team, as most may know, is it started by Frank Williams. Um, what I thought was interesting is the team as it is now. Excuse me, because I just drank soda. Is not the original team. Mm. So, um. So we'll just start. So their official name is Williams Grand Prix Engineering Limited, but we know them as Williams Racing. Um, so the team started, Frank Williams started a team in 1966 called Frank Williams Racing Cars. And I'm, I'm just going to do some highlights and then I'll go through the deep, the deep stuff. And then um, in 1976, there was a, it, it became Wolf Williams Racing. That actually got sold off complete tie separation and then 1977 we got the team we have today which is williams grand prix engineering and that's been the same team ever since oh okay separation change of ownerships frank went off and did his own thing and left the original team behind got it well and i'll, I'll go through that so their team license is in, in britain they are based in, in grove oxfordshire england Apologies to anyone in the UK if I said that wrong. Um, <laughs> always been based in Britain. Though it, for one year when they were going through the old way, they, they named the constructors, they would name the teams based on their chassis and their, their motor. Um, mm -hmm. They were considered uh, Italian because they had an Italian constructor for their chassis. Oh, interesting. I thought it was interesting. 1970. Um, so, so James Voles, I don't know how you say his name, but he... Uh, he is our current principal. He was the chief strategist at Braun in, in 09. Then he was at Mercedes from 2010 to 2022. So he's yeah. like 12 years. Yeah. And then he joined Williams this year. I thought it was interesting that in 2022, he drove with the Asian Le Mans and he finished 17th. Oh, that's cool. That's Otherwise, cool. he's not a driver. He actually has his master's in motorsport engineering and management from Cambridge. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. Um, but the other two key uh, roles that we we mentioned in Mercedes, so I'm going to kind of keep it you know consistent when I do these, is uh, the chief technical officer. That role has not been filled since 2019. Wow. They just announced in July, so just a couple of weeks ago, July 23rd, I think it was, it was on FIA's website, that Pat Fry is going to be coming over. So Patty Lowe was there and left in 2019. And Pat Fry is joining on November 1st of this year. So they say oh, okay. not there, not until November. And he's coming from Alpine. Interesting. 
I yeah, mean, he, at the same time, like Alpines, they haven't been great. <laughs> <laughs> They've had some issues, so okay. Yeah. Um, he's got thirty years in in motorsports. Uh, he was a, he's been the CTO there just for the last year, though. He's only been there a year. He had, before that, seventeen years at um, at uh, McLaren. Interesting. Okay. And then um, there's no technical director. Not since um, Jamison left at the end of last year, along with the previous uh, principal. And that principle came out, came in when the new uh, ownership of the company came in, which I'll get into. Okay. So just current kind of numbers, you know, as we know, Logan Sargent and Alex Albon are their current drivers. They're the FW45, which the FW is for Frank Williams. That's what the moniker's for. They do have the Mercedes engine. This current team's first entry was considered in 1977 in the Spanish uh, Grand Prix. As a constructor, it was considered 1978 in the Argentine Grand Prix because of they were using other people's parts and whatnot as they officially became a constructor. When then I'll, I'll get into that. They've raced uh, as a team 804 entries, 793 as a constructor, 114 victories, 313 podiums, 128 pole positions, and 133 fastest laps. Sad is that none of those chats changed in the last few weeks since I started doing the research. Aww. I know. Well, the, the entries and starts did. The, yeah. the entries and stuff didn't. They've had nine constructors' championships. That's awesome. I think that's and, one of the most, right? Yeah. Yeah. And seven drivers' championships, which is really cool. So their drivers' championships is uh, an Australian, Alan Jones, a fin Finnish guy, Kiki Rosberg. Uh, Nelson Piquet, Piquet uh, from Brazil. That's, that's Max's girlfriend's dad, Nelson Piquet. Piquet. Uh, that was in 1987. We know that year well. He's um, he's banned though from F1 after a lot of racist and homophobic comments. <laughs> just an FYI. <laughs> just like some of the big names that were with Williams. Um, yeah. uh, Nigel Nigel Mansell with yeah. the UK. Uh, Elaine Prost from France, Damon Hill in 96 with the UK, and then Jacques Villeneuve uh, in 1987 from Canada. Amazing. So their last one really was in 97. I mean, holy moly. Yeah, 97. So here's some, here's some history with them. So there's some interesting things in here. I won't go through everything I've got, but some interesting stuff. Okay, so again, 1996, Frank Williams started it with his Frank Williams Racing Cars. Um, he had had a brief career as a driver and a mechanic. He found, funded this to begin with as his work as a traveling grocery salesman is how he funded the team. I thought that was just fascinating. Um, the first couple of years he did F2 and F3, but he bought his first F1 chassis from Robham um, and entered an F1 race in 1969. So the team started in 66, but the first F1 was 1969. He started with the Ford Cosworth engine and they took second place to Monaco and the U.S. Oh. Grand, Prix, Grand Prix. That's yeah. cool. In that first year. And then that first year, they had six total top 10 finishes, including those two. I know. Um, the that year. Huh? That's incredible for a first year. I know, right? Um, and then so their success attracted Italian sports car manufacturer uh, Di Tommaso, who built their 1970 chassis. But they were uncompetitive for the first four races. 
Unfortunately, in their fifth race, the car flipped and killed the driver Pierre's courage or courage. Oh. Um, it caused a lot of issues between Williams and the drivers. And since they didn't have any good results, the Tommaso partnership dissolved. They had a lot of retires, did not start, did not qualify in that whole year. It's a pretty bad year. Oh, God. Yeah. And they continued to struggle um, with the car design, funds, performance. So just from 71, 72, 71 through 75, they had for 71 and 72, they went with Mark or Mark for their chassis. They had three finishes in the top 10, then four finishes in the top 10. And then the next year, all kinds of drivers. This is what really killed me. In 1973, they had a total of nine different drivers. Like oh one consistent one and one like the next car, just like all kinds of substitutes and flipping out and whatnot. Nine different drivers. It was the ISO Marlboro Marlboro chassis. Um, they were tenth in the constructors' cup, but there was only twelve teams and then eleven spots could play that had a placement, so they were pretty low. Yeah, Three in the top ten. The next year, six different drivers. <gasps> what? 10th in the constructors, again, of 20, but only 12 were placed spots. Three, three in the top finishes. A lot, again, not you know, a lot of retirements. A lot of uh, uh, did not qualify. And then 1975, back again for 10 drivers. But this was the first year they introduced a chassis built by Williams. Um, and they were ninth in the constructors with three finishes in the top 10. So pretty pretty rough in those, yeah. those years. Yeah, so in 1976, a Canadian oil millionaire, um, Wolf, he came in and bought 60% of the team. Wow. So he did that's when they, Yeah. And that's when they became Wolf Williams Racing. Um, they had nine drivers that year. <laughs> it's just fascinating me, the number of drivers. Um, four top finishes in the, on the top 10. And at the end of the season, Wolf restructured the team and it removed Williams from the manager's role. Oh, And Williams was not happy about that. So he's like, that's it. He just sold the rest of his, his ownership. And then he and Patrick Head left and they formed the current Williams team. Interesting. So well, this is why you don't give up control of your company and sell 60% of it. If you don't want to be put out, don't exactly. give up. Oh my goodness. Okay. So Walter Wolf Racing, because that's what the name became, only lasted yeah. for three years after that. Oh. Just just kind of interesting side. Note. Okay. So in 1977, he and Patrick had started the team we have today, but they failed to score a point that year. There was nothing. Mm -hmm. um, but then at 78, they designed their first Williams car, the true full Williams car. So it was in 79. That's why they started racing one year. And then the next year they became a constructor okay. um, is when they obtained their membership in the Formula One Constructors Association. Oh, OK. So that's why they became entering races as a team one year, but the constructor the next year because they yeah. weren't officially a member of the Constructors Cup as, as the current team. Um, interestingly enough, in 79, they did not start getting points until the seventh race. Their first win was the British Grand Prix, 25 seconds ahead of the P2. What? Oh, my gosh. It's like Max. Hang on one second. And then in the Germany race, they scored P1 and P2. Oh, my gosh. 
I am listening. Sorry. I know, I know. Going because we're recording. And then the team scored 59 points and ended up finishing second in the Constructors' Cup, which was just fascinating. Um, in 80, they got their first Constructors' win um, and their first driver championship. So that's Alan Jones, the, the Australian. Um, and then they continue on. So then they had an 81 with the uh, Constructor win, 82 at Drivers' Championship, fourth in the Constructors, 83, fourth in the Constructors. Then they switched to Honda engines mm. and 84. This is where I was telling you earlier before we got started, I really want to a- analyze how engines have played into teams' success over time. Yeah. Um, and they started, they actually put the engine in like the last race of the previous year and they ended up six in the Constructor. And then in 85, they designed their first car with carbon fiber, which I thought was crazy that this started in 85. Yeah. Um, 886. That's when Frank Williams was paralyzed in a car accident. So he, he was an avid marathoner and he'd left one of the practices. I think it was, and he was driving to, uh, I think go get a plane to go to a, a marathon. I think it was in London or the story correctly. And he just missed a turn in a car that he was renting and he just lost control and it ended up rolling and he was pinned and the person was with him, you know, pulled him out because they're worried about the gas and whatnot. And they, yeah. um, they airlifted him and they got it. They had to have him repatriated. Uh, I think this other story had gone and then they had to put like a trach in and all this to drain his lungs. And he almost died. It was almost a year before he came back to the pits. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah it was, it was pretty rough. It was pretty rough. Um, but they went on, um, the next year got driver and constructor um in 88 this was interesting they switched to a naturally aspirated jud engine and what that means is naturally aspirated they had no charcoal charging they used just natural atmospheric pressure to to put the power behind the engine did not do well <laughs> i mean i don't know anything about engines but that just doesn't even sound like a good idea yeah it's gone from being driver and constructor went in 87 to eighth and the constructors go that year. <laughs> so they moved to Renault, Renault engines and went second and fourth. And then Adrian Newey joined. I remember he was with them. Yeah. Way back up, in the day. That's 1991. <laughs> and they ended up second. Um, and then 92, uh, in the off season, they had this interesting little thing where Alan Prost negotiated a deal, allowing him that as a driver, he could approve or disapprove any, uh, the second driver, he and Aaron Senna had a beef and he would not allow Senna to come to Williams. Now, so this is my comment about earlier. What's with these drivers beefs, man? Like this is this, you, you. I don't get to pick who I work with at work. <laughs> I just have to deal with it. And you like, I'm just, I'm going to tell you who can and can't work here. So anyway, <laughs> they promote Damon Hill, who ended up going on later on and winning a championship. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that was interesting. And then, you know, 93, uh, they won driver and constructor. It was interesting in 93 Prost, Senna and Hill between, you know, a couple of teams were the only winners of any race except for one Schumacher had won. Oh my gosh. um, They decided that they really wanted to get Senna 
And Prost, they he they're like, well, you know what? He was ready to retire permanently. And then we'll we'll just pay your salary out. You go oh. retire because we really want Aaron and Senna. Yeah. Fortunately, that's the year the FIA banned electronic driver's aids, which includes active suspension, traction control, ABS, and much of the Williams car had that. And they talked about how the, the car became really difficult to drive. Yeah. And it was in the third race that year in San Marino that Aaron Senna died. Oh, no. Yeah. I was like, wow, I did not realize it was so, you know, coincidental, if you want to call it, or just at that that timing. It was a crazy timing. I also didn't realize how long this lasted. Italy tried to charge the team and Frank Williams for manslaughter for Aaron Senna's death what? in that race. I did not know yeah. that. Oh, yes, he did not resolve that and drop everything until 2005. So this happened in 94. It took 11 years to get rid of all of that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah that that was some that that one blew my mind. I did it's a lot kind of, of amazing that they they put it all on the car. So they must have had something instead of on that track, because we know that many drivers have died on that track since then. So mm -hmm. it wasn't the, you know, the track yeah. they're putting it on the car. Well, over time, that's, I think over time they finally did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then the next race, Damon Hill was the only one from Williams that went out on race, did one lap and then retired the car. Kind of an honor. And here's when I was mm -hmm. talking about the new owners, kind of like a, I won't say the word cause I don't want to get his beef for this time. Not so nice move. So since his death, up until 2022, um, every Williams livery had had an Asena S on the livery in honor of him and to support the Instituto Arrington Senda um, in his honor. Yeah. From 2022 onwards, the S was dropped because CEO Capito, the new guy who came in when they bought out you know, when the trust, the investment firm bought out Williams basically stated it was time to move on. Uh, what? Is, right, is, is, it's Joss Capito, right? So is he still with them or did he? I don't, I don't know. Recall. I think he, I, that one I didn't go check up on. I know that, um, I know that the principal and the technical director left. I think Joss might still be around. I'll have to double check up. But yeah, that was um, that was some pretty pretty messed up stuff. And that year, there was there was definitely a lot of backup drivers between the crash and the end of the the season. Um, but they still came back and had a, a pretty good. They they won the constructor. They still so, won the constructor that year. So let me just update because I did think that he was out, and at in December last year he was out at Williams. Okay, it was last year. So he maybe. And that was just last December, so December 2022. So maybe he, maybe they will put that S back aside. Um, he said it at the time just felt naturally right to step aside. Um, yeah, he said that at most the plan was for him to do the job for two years, three at the most. Well, so maybe, maybe they'll put the S back on. I hope they had it on for the 800 delivery. Sorry to sidetrack, but I was thinking he had left. We should check the livery and then we should put on a petition to get that back. Because I think that's something that just stay along. I mean, we get Richard Millio in there. I mean, like this, this is that something 
I didn't know much about F1 and knew about Aaron Senna. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just something. I was like, oh, and then I was like, that is so nice that that's there. I'm going to go look for it. And then there was a research. But since 2022, I was like, what? The heartless <laughs> that is. I, I think it's sad, too, if that was his quote, like, it's time to move on. I just, I mean, his family doesn't really move on. I mean, he well, was such a reason. legend in the sport. Like, how do you just. Half a motorsport hasn't moved on beyond that. Yeah. So anyway, we'll keep going. So after that, like I said, but they still, with his wreck, and they had a bunch of backup drivers filling in for a part of the season, they still won the Constructors' Cup that year. Oh, wow. Yeah, that blew my mind. I had to go back and check it. I was like, wait, really? <laughs> um, and then they got second the next year. In 96, they driver and Constructor Cup win. Newey left for McLaren. He wanted to be technical director, but with mm -hmm. Patrick Head being co-founder and shareholder of the team, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. I guess they are sad about that. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> 97 was the end of their heyday, right? They had their 100th win in 97. Okay. Um, they had their driver and constructor win in 97. Um, and interestingly enough, at that time, uh, Ferrari, I don't know if it's changed since then, but Ferrari or Williams became one of five teams of the 100 wins. So Williams, Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, and Red Bull. It's yep. interesting with Williams with those names, if you think about the teams now. Back then, how they were performing, no. But now, to put Williams in the same vein of those other teams, it's like, whoa. Yeah. It's that crazy. crazy. And I think, like, also, just to – when you start heading into that early 2000s and stuff, it's just from a um, – driver championship standpoint that's when you started having the runs of like the sebastian Vettels, the lewis hamiltons um michael schumacher like they were all like kind of around that that era um so yeah, and i tried to i started documenting when i was researching their their driver swaps it was so much i was like i'm gonna have to do an episode just on mapping it's gonna be like the the crime shows when you're trying to dot all the I's. William was like that. The number of drivers, like I said, they've, they've seasons with nine, six, 10 drivers, yeah. just to map driver moves. It yeah. across that one in general, but that's just, theirs has been crazy. Um, so I, I summarized after a couple of years, I summarized, it just, it's just a little nuts with them. So in 98, their dominance started to go. They moved to a mecha chrome engine, which is basically old Renault's mm -hmm. and they got third. Then they moved to what's called a super tech, which was a rebadged mechanome, mecha chrome Renault engine. <laughs> <I got laughs> fit. And, um, and then they signed with BMW. And with BMW from 2000 to 05, they got third, third, second, second, and then fourth and fifth. And Williams is like, oh, I'm done with this. I'm going to go to Cosworth, which was from way back in the day, got eighth. I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Toyota. But at that point, he's like, yeah, I kind of regret that I dropped BMW. I shouldn't have dropped BMW. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, he got fourth, eighth, and seventh with Toyota. Then they re returned to Cosworth, sixth and ninth. Then returned to Renault, eighth and ninth. <laughs> like, this is all this engine. Every couple of years, they're switching motors. 
Yeah, and I was like, I don't see, I can see why I didn't realize they were that much. Let's not even talk about what was going on with drivers during this time because it was yeah. too much to keep up with. I was like, I'm just going to stick with the engine change out because yeah. it showed me why they couldn't be consistent, right? Yeah. Um, then in 2014, they switched to the Mercedes power units, which they've used since then. Yeah. They picked up Martini as a sponsor, which was kind of cool for a few years. They got third, third, fifth, and fifth. And then in 2018 is kind of when their decline started. Um, Martini left as a sponsor, 10th in a row, 10th two years in a row in the constructor. Um, Monaco and that's was when Claire was getting, that's kind of when Drive to Survive came about and they yeah. really were showing the struggle happening at Williams and Claire, exactly. you know, was, they were like, she should not be leading the team. It's just not going in the right direction. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so they tent two years in a row, the, the buyout came out in 2020 from a um, Doralton Capital, which is based in the U.S. They bought him in August. Um, they acquired him. They kept the Williams name. They actually offered Claire to stay. Mm. And she said no. Um, yeah. And um, this is the first time the Williams team has not been under Williams leadership in 43 years. Wow. Yeah, That's so it's a pretty big thing. That year, they got they hit their 750th Grand Prix in 2020. And we all know 800th was this year. Yeah. Um, so in 20 December 2020, Simon Roberts was the new principal. Jo Jost Capito was the CEO, and they once again hit 10th, 21 8th, 22 10th. That's when Jost resigned, and then. James was uh, added as the new principal. Gulf Oil was added as the long-term partnership this year. And then they had their 800th Grand Prix, and they are currently in seventh yes. in the constructor. Which I but think I is really good for them um, because, yeah. and especially this year, like they have missed out on some opportunities. Like we've talked about this a lot. Logan's had some bad luck. The car you know, the last race they should have done better, but there were some issues with the cake plates or whatever they call them near the brake discs. And um, they could be, they could be better, but I mean, good for them. I didn't realize how long they'd been in second, I mean, 10th place, how many years that's sad. Yeah. That, I mean, that part, it really kind of is, is horrible. A um, couple quick things. And then I, we can, I'm, I'm done with them. I thought what's interesting is part of the Williams group, um, Williams Grand Prix holding is the public name you know, for it. There's the Williams Grand Prix Engineering Limited, which is the F1 team. They have Williams Heritage, which is a company that takes care of retired chassis and restoration division of Williams F1, comparable to like Ferrari has one of these. Um, I think Alpine, there's a couple other companies that have this type of, of division that like yeah. restores the cars and stuff and also the Williams driver Academy. So there are, some, names. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of big names that have come up. Yeah. Yeah. So some names that have come out of the Williams driver's Academy that I didn't put in there, but I do have it up are um, Logan Sargent, Lance Stroll, Oliver Roland, Nicholas Latifi, Dan Tictum and Jack Aitken. Yeah. So, and let's not forget about Jamie Chadwick, who's racing in the Indy League oh, no. right now. Um, and she's doing amazing. She, uh, gosh, the race in Nashville, I think she finished up there pretty high. I want to say in the top 10. So um, their driver academy, 
is is really pretty good and i think they have other women in there as well but she's probably the best well known and i think the williams heritage i think they have like a facility that you could even rent and host things um different types of events there and uh yeah they've got a lot for sure going on but what a history and what a you know when you think about english racing teams and stuff like they definitely well, if they look at their 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 time this year, I mean, they've they've had three ten or higher finishes, three retirements, and so that they're tied with Haas, but Haas is tied with but with two retirements and and also three top ten finishes, so or ten or higher finishes. So, I mean, they're doing comparable, but you know that that's not awful. And if we look at their drivers, yeah. um, I mean, Logan we know has been struggling, right? Um, and that that's been stuff. But Alex is really, really doing a good job. And I think Alex he's got amazing. really good promise. I think he's I feel like he is too. He's for sure an underrated driver in my book. And I think a lot of people are noticing him this year. So I just I don't remember where I saw it, if it was one of the fan groups or if it was on F1 um social media, but they were asking, you know, which driver you can only pick one driver, which one has stood out. And I just always go through the comments and a lot of people were saying, Alex, but it's like, I also feel you're all late to the party because I was a huge fan of his when he was at Red Bull for that short time. I was so disappointed that they got rid of him because I felt like you could see what a good driver he was. And I think now, you know, like now that we're seeing that the car is starting to get better, I think we're just going to be seeing him showcase what he can do with a car more and more. So I, I love Alex. I think he's great. He's fun. He's got an adorable girlfriend. He's got a whole animal menagerie or his family does. If you don't follow that Instagram page, do do so. It's cute. I, I think looking back on Williams and seeing how just topsy turvy they've been with their technology and just, it, I just don't feel they've had enough stability, it, you know, and yeah. when they, they could get some good stability in their engineering and in the car, I, I see a lot of good in their future. You know, yeah. I mean, if you look at just how many engines they've been through and I can, you don't know how many drivers they've been through. Yeah. So being able to get not just instability in your, your, engine and i didn't go into like the chassis and the the engineers and all that if you can get some stability around all of that and driver consistency it's going to make up a big difference so to have the what little success they've had and longevity with all that instability that's just like they've got a lot of resilience you know a lot of resilience exactly and i do think that james and the group that's there now is they have a vision and i think we're already starting to see it this year with this being his first year and you know he had said a few months ago we have other people that we are hiring that we're bringing in we can't tell you now so i i suspect over the rest of this fall and into the winter we're going to hear about them bringing more people in and they're very methodically going about making this the williams back you know, in the day that was winning the constructors or at least up there fighting for it. So yeah. I think it's an exciting time for them. Well, I hope you learned some stuff. I, I did. did. I did. Oh, cool. I thought that was pretty cool. Really good stuff. So thank you for doing all of that work because I know that's a lot. Um, we don't have a whole lot else. I mean, beyond the grid this week, drivers are just living their best lives. Everybody's on a boat. I mean, <laughs> I don't think there's... there's I'm not on a boat. 
what? I'm not on a boat. <laughs> this is why they live our lives. Um, no, they're, they're all taking pictures on boats. It's cracking me up. They're at the beach. They're out dancing. They're living their lives. I say, great. But the other thing I noticed towards the end of this week, so we don't have a race next weekend. I don't know what we're going to do with ourselves. But then the following weekend, we do. So I started to notice towards the end of this week, the drivers posting more pictures with them working out. So they're like, okay, holiday's probably over. I need to start, you know, getting getting back in shape. <laughs> like maybe I'm sure they've been working out this whole time, but really focusing more on um, that fitness aspect of it. So yeah, they get to live the life. And I don't know, I'm just over here working. <laughs> no summer break for me. <laughs> I know someone going, I got to check in with them if they're still going, but I know somebody supposedly is going to the race uh, and then other ones. So. Oh, fun. You should check with them. In their suitcase. Oh my goodness. It's going to be all, all max for staffing fans. I think that's the one race I would like least like to go to. Just saying. And then after that, we've got the Italian um, GP that we've got Monza and it's like, we we talked about going to that, remember, like a few months ago. We're like, should we go to Monza? Yeah, we should. And then we were like, nah, let's <laughs> let's go to more races next year. So yeah, so we've got at least a couple coming up back to back, which will be good. And we'll have to see if uh, Mani, uh, Mattia is on the grid. We still haven't had any confirmation about him uh, going to uh, Alpine. So we shall see. Interesting, interesting. Can't wait, can't wait. Well, and then we'll, I might be moving in the middle of all this, so. <laughs> I wish I could be there to help you. I would totally schlep some stuff for you. And mine will be like a move and then doing a, like trying to clean. We've decided we would move to begin with because we'll have two apartments for two months. I just get everything moved over and then spend the weekends like cleaning the old apartments, which is yeah. nice and ready. You know, that way it's just easier because I don't have as much to move as much as I have to order because I'm in a first apartment and have right. delivered the new place. Yes. So. yes, that'll be good. They could just bring it up for you. Yeah, there's that. I guess my internet stuff though, you know, needs to be in one spot. My computers need to be in one spot. I can move a laptop back and forth, but yeah, we'll yeah. figure it out. Anyway, <laughs> good to see you. Good to see everyone else. Thanks for coming along the ride. We actually got it done pretty quickly this time for us. Yeah. So. Yay us. <laughs> Yay us. But yes, we'll see you next week. No idea what we'll talk about. We'll just chit chat. Maybe some stuff will happen this week. We'll see. Talk about flags. What? We never talked about the flags. We could talk about the flags. Oh, we never did talk about the flags. I feel like great. in my head we did, but we never did. Okay, that's an idea. I like it. Well, I like it. Okay. Right. See Thanks, you Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and a review. To stay up to date with She Loves the Grid and get all the behind-the-scenes content, you can follow us on Instagram at She Loves the Grid and on Facebook at facebook.com slash She Loves the Grid. Thank you for joining us for the ride this week. Mm -hmm.